0: Hey, how's it going? Welcome back to the End Poem Podcast, a new one-on-one show where I sit down with the folks who make some of our favorite games, or maybe the games that are just around the corner. I'm Alex James Kane, author of the Boss Fight Books entry on Star Wars Night-Sealed Republic. I've written for places like Polygon, who published my oral history of Morrowind in 2019, for Kill Screen, Rolling Stone, and Glixel, Variety, StarWars.com, USA Today, PC Gamer, and Fangoria Magazine. I thought this podcast might be a perfect way to catch up with some of the people I've talked to in years past, meet some very cool new ones, and learn more about the art and craft of making video games. My guest today is a real nice guy, same age as me, uh, Star Wars Jedi Survivor Senior Writer Pete Stewart. He lives in a little town about 30 miles southwest of London where he works remotely. Before getting hired on at Respawn, he worked as a writer and designer on the Total War series of strategy games at Creative Assembly over in the UK. His work's all over Survivor. The battle droids, little jokes between various characters, the in-game databank. And this was a really fun chat. Uh, A little bit short, but it was done on Respawn's time and arranged through EA. So a big thanks to Kelly and JV at EA for making this one happen. This is me talking to Pete Stewart, well, uh, first of all, you know, congrats on the game. It's gotta feel good to spend what three years of your life kind of uh on this project and have it be kind of this huge hit right
1: right like i was we were all i was confident of the game going towards release, but I think whenever you approach a big release, you're always nervous like I've done a few in my career now um and even when you're really confident in the game, you get the fear like capital t capital f right <laughs> um so it's great, like it's such a a good feeling and especially when it's this is the biggest thing i think i've worked on in my career and something that means a lot to me so yes many different vectors (laughs) of uh of appreciation for the release Uh, and thank you it was very nice to hear you say
0: that yeah i mean it really does a good job of pulling together all these different things like the sort of jedi action game tradition with this mature tone and things like the obi-wan show and the high republic books Did you have, like, favorite classic Star Wars games as a kid or anything like that?
1: I kind of played every Star Wars game, like, under the sun, really, almost, when I was growing up, some of which you look back on very fondly. I mean, I look back on all of them very fondly, and it was only later that I realized that perhaps they were not, like, as well-received as I thought they were when I was playing them. But, like, your classics, like, obviously, you got to say KOTO. You can't you feel obliged like to it. Although I would say Nightcrawler probably 2 is probably my personal favourite over the first one, if only for Kraya, Right, I came back to like the Jedi Knight games quite a lot, and I think you can see DNA kind of come from those into what we have like in parts of of the Jedi games. And I always dabbled in like the strategy games. There was one, I guess you guys called it like Star Wars Rebellion, uh, and we called it Empire what did we call it? Supremacy. We call it Supremacy. Sorry, not Empire Well, it was a different one. And I was like proper incredibly obsessed with that. And that's where my my love of like the finer detail of the Star Wars Wars, universe comes from. Like how the Empire works and like planets and my weird little knowledge of of uh Star Wars planets that may or may not be like legit anymore, but they're all stuck in the back of my head. (laughs) Um so yeah, I mean, it's easier for me to probably for you to say games that I might not have played which isn't to make myself sound like some kind of walking Star Wars encyclopedia. I just really played a lot of those Star Wars games when I was younger.
0: Do you uh, have sort of like a first significant memory of a video game or a console?
1: Uh, Outside of Star Wars? Yeah. Um, I remember the first console I had that was my own, that became like the, the big deal was my N64. But even back before that, my I kind of got my brother's uh, Mega Drive. I guess let's take like a Saturn. Is that what you guys called it? Um, like a hand-me-down. I remember playing that in my bedroom on a black and white television and thinking that was what it was meant to be like because I didn't have the color set. I'm um, playing Sonic on that and Sonic 2. Those are like the formative, like f- like vignetted memories I have of playing games. And then when the N64 came along, uh, there was GoldenEye. Uh, there was Ocarina of Time. Uh, and then there were Shadows of the Empire, which, you know, speaks for itself um and those are the big three i mean like the that started my nintendo love and my zelda love which just kept going and going and going so this n64 would be like the big i think the introduction like the the gateway it's, it's the n64's fault i think <laughs> it is what it's worth saying
0: yeah sounds like we had similar childhoods probably uh do you have like favorite characters in in video games or in fiction in general that Characters that you loved in a in a specific game, or
1: well, I kind of alluded to Craya already, right I think Cra yeah. is a little bit more like high concept, you know, like she's always talking very academically very high mindedly uh but I love that kind of the character that sort of pokes at you know establish established understanding that's all she does for the whole game right She tries to make you rethink uh what you think you already know, and I love characters like that i don't obviously don't think every character in. A story should be that, but like her place in that story is perfect for it. And I think, like, not to talk too spoilery, like the example that we have in *Survivor* is 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 Dagen a little bit. Like he's trying yeah. to, he's obviously a bit more evil, and a bit more, a little less, trying to make you think. But he's presenting this this worldview, and even Bode, I think, as well, um, are offering these two alternative views that are quite compelling, um, even if they're shrouded in in like malicious deeds. And so you see that kind of that kind of thing comes through.
0: So. Like at what point did you think maybe I'll be a writer or maybe I'll work in games? Like where did that come up?
1: Uh quite late, actually. Um I had done my like not to tell you the whole story of my academic life, but like I was no, I was okay at school. I was pretty good. Um with some pretty bad. And then I discovered, you know, I was kind of was quite good at English, literature and language. And I found that quite late in uh my that was my high school for you guys before I went to university. And so I was good at that and I ran with it. Not knowing, I enjoyed it, but I didn't really know. I liked writing, but I didn't really think at that point. I wasn't thinking career at that point, point. and I went through university doing a literature and a language degree uh, as well, and still not really thinking how I would transfer it into into a into a career. You know, like what do you do with a BA in English, right? Um, yeah. And and then a little game, <laughs> a little game called Portal 2 came along not long after i graduated. And it was maybe at the time of maybe what I thought was the best written game I'd ever, I'd ever played. And for some reason, like there was a hook in there. Maybe I read an interview. Maybe I was just something about the writing. I kind of, I I came to the understanding at that age and that place and that time that someone had sat down and written it. You know, Someone had been employed to sit down and to, to write the game. And I was like, could I do that? Is that a, is that a viable thing that I can do? I didn't think so. I thought I was like the ability. Yes. But I didn't games were this over here, right, where they were miles away in the distance, and they were created on Mount Olympus, and then they came down to us. Um, And I was like, I can't climb Mount Olympus, but I wanted to. Um, And so I I spent quite a few years after my graduation, and then after discovering that this was a thing I wanted to do, trying to find a way into the games industry. Like I, I didn't get into the games industry through as a writer okay i went in as a as a games tester and went up from there but that's kind of where it all, all i would all started with i would say portal 2 It made see. me think that it was what i wanted to do or i could do it
0: what were some of the big lessons you learned or just one big lesson early on in your career you worked on like a lot of strategy games mainly right like what are some of the things that you really took from that time
1: uh as a writer i would say there is a I don't want a bad mouth, so I'm not, I don't. I don't mean to say this negatively, but I think you look at writing in video games, and you think dialogue, right? You think scripts, you think uh, mocap or PCAP scenes, you think things that characters say, witty repartee between them, uh, that is voiced by by voice actors. And it's very important, and I love writing it, uh, and I love working with actors. But I think I think there is a a real craft and a real beauty to the stuff that isn't voiced, you know. So like in so in Survivor, for example, like our data bank or in in previous strategy games, like the encyclopedias and like descriptions for, for weapons and stuff like that, there's a like they can be hard to see or easier to miss, but I think they add a real texture, and I think taking the time to craft them correctly is essentially building a world through the text. Um, and I think that they're really, really important and and I think it took me I think I took them for granted before I started to to write them myself before I started to develop. Kind of vast games that needed this connective sinew, and so I never, so after that I never like took them for granted again. And I got quite good at writing them as well, which uh, is helpful (laughs) when you have a game that has a data bank or has a has something like that. So, um, from a writing point of view, I would say like I got a holistic, a more holistic understanding of of every of all the different facets of of writing. You know, like um, like dialogue, non dialogue, technical, um, that kind of stuff. And that's this kind of thing I've carried forward with me as a writer
0: nice, yeah, you've talked a lot about like the battle droid barks and stuff like that, but the databank was also kind of your baby a little bit right too
1: yeah um i yeah, as it was i'll go to, I'll go to pains and say I didn't write the whole thing, but like I had oversight on the much like I didn't write every battle droid but that piece of dialogue, but I did have oversight and almost final say like you said for people above me on like the tone and on like the 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 consistency of the databank. So yeah, um I kind of like I went into it having done it for years uh, on on previous strategy games, I was like, oh no, another data bank, another encyclopedia, which was the completely wrong attitude, the absolutely wrong attitude to take. Uh, and when I started to get stuck in, I was like, oh no, it's the same as it ever was. It's like it's building blocks, it's world building, it's lore, it's it's um it's great. (laughs) So I was I was happy to take it on in the end. And then it all and I was really Excited when it was all started to come together. I think my negativity came from a place of feeling like it was going to be the same. And then you realize, oh, no, it's Star Wars now. It's Star Wars. Yeah. And not only is it Star Wars, it's Star Wars lore that we helped to create. And you're you're putting the bricks down yourself. And it was really, yeah, it was really uh, exciting and rewarding, I think, to see people engaging with it. Because there's another negative trait that you uh you internalize which isn't necessarily true but you internalize it, it's like oh no one's going to read this right <laughs> like, yeah, you feel like sure. and there's an imposter syndrome and all sorts of things that push towards that but then you see tweets and you see youtube videos and you see uh people calling out these these moments and and it's very rewarding and you realize that you've been you've been wrong that like you shouldn't have been thinking like that you should have been more optimistic
0: it's It very f- much fits the game, right? Because, you know, the first game had this archaeology angle on the Star Wars universe. And then you guys get the High Republic comes along and gives you an excuse to kind of do that in the sequel, too. Um, And, and so the data bank just sort of makes sense that Cal would have all this information stored up. But is everybody at Respawn kind of like kobo is my new favorite planet is that kind of
1: well kobo's ours right and yeah. in a sense it obviously isn't us but like we 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 helped to create it and um so we all feel a sense of uh proprietariness over it, a sense of uh, ownership so yeah i think so i think well, we were excited to go to other planets and excited to look at the vast tapestry of star wars but having kobo as a central hub felt very like it, we made it a home for cal and in the same way it, it felt a bit like a home to us as well um uh, especially like the central areas like like the, the 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 saloon and the the outpost yeah i would think i would say people are pretty pretty pleased with how kobo came out
0: yeah yeah i think it was nice seeing how much like time you get to spend with that world and and then how open and huge it is at the same time right like that that was a nice way to evolve from the first game so uh Deborah Wilson really, really shines here, and you said on Twitter that that was a memorable day on set for you. Did you uh, have a story there, or...?
1: Uh, I wanna. I wanna clarify. I wasn't on set. I was in the. I was like much like now. I was in a recording session with her. Like so, she was doing some non PCAP stuff. Like she wasn't dressed in a in a grey suit <laughs> with a ping pong ball sliver. Yeah. Um. It was. I was here, and she was in a uh, recording studio in LA. Like I don't recall it being particularly. Um. Not to to burst the bubble. on my fo- unfortunately I don't like recall it being like it wasn't a memorable session. She wasn't doing like she wasn't doing any uh pickups for like the the great the the, the massive scene. I don't know whether I can spoil it, even though the game's yeah. in a few weeks. Uh, yeah. like, for like, her big moments. But she was doing smaller stuff, like conversation, hub conversations, like you would have with her on Jeddah and things like that. Um, and although, like, um, you know, it's not a big moment, I actually take a lot of joy out of these smaller, um, you know, more intimate conversations. Like, our hub conversations are really delightful uh, and really can be, can be quite intimate. So hearing Deborah just kind of doing these lines, like talking to Cal about the force, or talking to Cal about like why they split apart and that kind of thing, um, is no, it's really, really pleasant, like just to watch. And she's like a force of nature, even when she's not. And like the minute she's not being Seer, like Deborah's back, and Deborah's like yeah. a huge personality and really fun to be around. And like I say, I didn't really sit there and do much, um, like didn't do much talking to her unfortunately i would have loved sure. to sit and chat with her all day but um yeah. just watching her work is
0: uh just too much too much fun yeah i mean i imagine like cameron monahan and tina were like around a lot as well did you ever get to uh kind of give them input on anything or was that sort of filtered through tom keegan or
1: so tom is like our pcap director so he would deal mostly mm-hmm. with the scenes on 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 the PCAP stage, like on the sound stage. And so like the lead writer would be there and like our cinematic director would be there and our actor director would be there. Um, I would mostly uh, like worked with Cameron again in the booth. So when he was doing stuff for like like the levels that didn't have cutscenes, So when you're running through the canyon in the like, Dredger Dredge Gorge, the very beginning, right? That was one of the levels that I oversaw. So I would work, we'd sit with Cameron in the booth and we'd go through the level like line by line. And I would give him context on what he was doing, where he was doing it, uh, and you know uh, what cinematics he'd done, and he would re- he would remember the things he'd done on the soundstage, uh, and then he would remember what the cinematics that was coming up. And so together we would paint a picture of where he was, where he was at, like where Cal was at. Um, so I worked pretty like on all of my levels. I was I worked pretty uh, extensively with Cameron, but I wasn't ever ever on the stage with him. Tina, a bit different. I never actually, I didn't work on on like Jeddah so much. Uh, where a lot of her, her like the bulk of her stuff is. So I didn't actually get to do that much work. I did do some writing for Marin, but I didn't get to actually work with Tina uh, a great deal, which is which is my loss. <laughs> yeah, absolutely my loss. Um, but I was yeah, i I'm mostly Cameron uh, and Noshia, uh, the two kind of white like, guys I work with the the most from like the main cast, and then obviously all of the battle droids, all the stormtroopers, most of the systemic kind of cast of characters I spent a lot of time with as well.
0: Is there a particular line of dialogue that you're especially fond of or, or proud of that you can remember?
1: I, um, yeah, actually. There's a few. Like in the Luca Hulk, there's a lot of uh, No Shias lines, right? Um, and there's a couple jokes in there that I'm really proud of. Like, the, and they're little jokes. I call them jokes for me, even though I've learned later that people laugh at them. There's a joke where you're climbing up the side of a ship and i beside the luke hulk and bo like you know i broke into a freighter on the once and cal's like oh really uh any useful tips and he's like no it's absolutely nothing like a luke hulk and he's like i don't know why i even mentioned it um and just makes me laugh and i don't think anyone else laughed when i pitched it in the room but i was insistent <laughs> that we keep it um so that's like the little lighthearted thing but there's also a conversation where bo talks about his daughter on the luke hulk like it's like a a mini hub conversation you can have with him by a meditation point uh he's talking about like how he would watch the ships take off with her from from beren um and i liked it i liked putting a little heartfelt moment in there there's also it's a multiple choice where either Bo will talk about his daughter or um or Cal will talk about we'll talk about like prof um or back on back on braka uh, and i really yeah. liked that conversation um i was really happy with how that came out because you know it's like It's fun to have jokes. It's fun to make battle droids laugh. And it's like it's something that comes like quite enjoyable to me and I enjoy doing it. But like digging into characters is, you know, one of the strong reasons why I wanted to take this job in the first place. So it was really gratifying to get those moments and to get them in gameplay as well and not necessarily tie them to a cinematic, which are big. But like feeling them in the level as well is, is a really big deal to me and to us. So, yeah, I really like that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's a nice one. It calls back to the first game here and there, where like, you know, he he looks at his headphones, his like little uh, Walkman, and says like, "Oh, Prof gave me that." And of course, there's like a big uh, name drop late in the game that is very touching and well done. But yeah, no, I laughed pretty hard, or I I smiled big at the Denab line. That was great. Um, that that was good.
1: It was also interesting in that like, having not worked on Fallen Order myself, like having come onto the team after that, um, it's fun. To interface with the first game, I think there's a there's a danger that if you had, didn't work on it, you could be like a little bit blinkered to its existence. Um, so like I went to I went to trouble to make sure, and like obviously everyone on the team was making sure that we made it feel contiguous and continuous. But I wanted to put something. I wanted to also ch- sort of check myself that I was engaging with the with the first game in the right way, and it like it feels like I was. Um, hopefully, anyway. Um, but yeah, is. It was good to to call back, even if you feel, sometimes you feel like a bit of an imposter doing so, because it wasn't, at that time, it wasn't your project. Now it is, but like that was something else. Jedi Fallen Order was a thing I looked at from a distance and thought, wow, that's really cool. And now I'm, in a sense, I'm like one of the stewards of it, which feels very strange.
0: Do you uh, look back at like your sort of past with Star Wars and have a particular story or two that feel really special to you personally, outside of games?
1: outside of games i mean it's it's interesting because like star wars is this massive media franchise that's like mostly about movies right but also i defined a lot of my growing up through video <laughs> games so yeah. it's uh hard to separate them but like i remember like the first I, I remember the first star wars film i saw when i was very young i must have been like six or something like that um we had the i think my friend had the like the VHS of, of the Empire Strikes Back. So I watched them in the wrong order for a start, which is a terrible place to begin. But, you know, it was Empire Strikes Back, so it was great. And I remember being like, I don't remember it, like the film, like in like, f- like full grain crystallized memory, but I remember thinking it was something really cool. I was like six or seven, so it couldn't have been like sticking in my head too much. But I remember, like the big Star Wars moment of my youth was, you know, in the late 90s when, when the special editions, 1997, I think it was, when like the special yeah. edition came out, and I would have been eight, and that's when I got to go to the cinema to see them, and, you know, everyone now I look back was talking about the changes that were made. At me, this is that to me that's like the definitive Star Wars original trilogy edition, right? And that. Was kind of when I lost my mind, you know, like for Star <laughs> for Star Wars, um, and then it was followed like like whip crack a couple of years later by like the Phantom Menace, right? And again, I was just like, oh, I guess this is what I'm. This is my entire personality, now. Um, but I always come back to you because I remember watching. I had the, I had the VHS box set of, of the Star Wars Special Edition, like the silver box where if you push the two hearts together, they made a funny noise. Um. And I remember watching Return of the Jedi uh, over and over again. And there's something special to me about, like even now when I still watch it, like I was watching some clips from it last week, just to like, you know, because you know, that's how I am. Um, From Return of the Jedi, like, you know, a lot of people say Empire Strikes Back is their favorite film, but you can't, I can't watch like the Death Star run or the Battle of Endor, right? Without feeling like it's like, I'm watching something really special. I often think like what it must've been like to watch it in the in the 80s like right? like it must have been absolutely incredible like ridiculous because even with all of the changes that have been made in the special editions like it's pretty much still the same sequence of events you know all filmed with like miniatures and all filmed with practical effects and like uh rotoscoping and that kind of stuff um and it's a, it's a marvel and like it still puts like uh hairs on the back of my neck down that end when i watch that kind of stuff so there's no yeah i don't have like a defining i remember when i was x and like i met darth vader or something like that unfortunately but i do remember the feeling of seeing these films the
0: first time in terms of like the day-to-day job like what what sort of advice do you have or do you give the folks looking to work in games
1: like in any capacity or like as a writer
0: sure sure or as a writer yeah
1: um the advice i give to people uh is it's kind of feels a bit boilerplate but it's like if you want to write in games you have to prove that you can Right. So you gotta have a portfolio, like a body of work. I know it's difficult to say to some people who are like just graduating or don't haven't had industry experience, like, you know, I have a body of work. But I don't mean like show me three games that you've worked on. I mean show me the three stories that you've written, show me a piece of interactive fiction you've made in twine or within course or something that you've put together. Um like always always be closing, always be writing, you know, like always be creating, um, and be able to show that. Um that's one of the like in terms of practical how do you do your craft thing like you got to prove that you can do your craft in terms of how i would say to be a better or more rounded creator not even writer i'm always just saying like watch a lot of stuff like read a lot of stuff uh not just writing but like watch movies play games read books watch tv um uh see plays go to like experiences like if you can go to a secret cinema or something like that right go and just experience different different forms of storytelling. Like I feel like that's almost more important than like knowing your fundamentals, like reading your like um, like meditations and, and like all that kind of stuff. Like just just immerse yourself in storytelling. In terms of how to get it, like I don't have a like there's no silver bullet. I don't think for saying how do you get a job in the games industry? How do you become a writer in the games industry? Uh, it takes hard work. It probably takes a bit of luck as well. So you know, be diligent. Don't be um, don't be put off by rejection because that's going to happen that'll happen when you're in the industry as well um i keep trying i keep writing keep watching the stars you know
0: other things like that awesome man well hey thank you so much for doing this and uh best of luck with everything the game is incredible so I'm glad you guys get to be real proud of it and stuff
1: no it's absolutely Great to talk to you. Uh thank you for saying such nice things about our <laughs> video game. Yeah, uh, I'm very proud of it. I know the team is really proud of it. So uh thanks. This was this was great.